you do with something that's been given to you and it's real old? Now, maybe there's some kind of family heirloom or, or something else that's been special to somebody, and they give it to you now, and you're not exactly quite sure, perhaps, what to do with it. Maybe you put it off in a china hutch and you see it once in a while. Or maybe you wrap it up so it's safe and tuck it in the closet or in the garage or an attic. And every once in a while you might run across it and think, oh, yeah, I remember what this is. What do you do with something real old like the Reformation? As I mentioned before, at the end of October, we recall how God brought the reforming of the church to put the gospel back in prime position, and that blessing has been handed down to us. But what do you do with something when it's 500 years old? When we recall how special that was, that those truths of the Reformation, by grace alone, by faith alone, Scripture alone, how important and precious those are, when we remember that they had been lost to the church, we're kind of reminded then what we need to do is not lose it. Is it possible for it to be lost? It had been lost before. And today I think that many people have lost it again. Oh, they, they may say the words, but I think they only give it lip service because that's about all it is. And there are some who just outright push it aside and don't want to talk about it and deny it. But more so, could we lose it? When we talk about the reformation of the church, it's not simply a matter of reviewing things in, in the past, the history, but it's living the meaning and the significance of it now in the present. Today we want to look at what blessings God has given us from that reformation 500 years ago, but more so emphasize that we don't lose it. And we're going to take a look at a person in the Bible who was a, a king of Judah and see how he carried out a reformation in his time. His name is Josiah. And here's what the scriptures tell us about him. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him. Now that's got to be, that's pretty good, right? If, if God puts your name in the Bible and says that about you, you want to take notice. What was so special that he stands out like that? Well, there was no one like him before or after him. If you look at this chart, you see a lot of boxes in different colors. Let me explain what it is. These are all the kings of northern Israel and southern Judah. The kings on the left side were of the northern kingdom. And their boxes are, are orange and, and red, which according to the graph there meant they were evil. And you see what happens. All of a sudden they come to an end. Because God allowed the Assyrians to come and overrun that nation because of their rebellion against him. Their dismissal of him. Now if you look at 
the right side, you see a lot of contrast. You see a lot of green boxes that would indicate these were good kings. But you also see interspersed there toward the bottom some red boxes, some evil kings. Now that last green box on the bottom on the right side, that's Josiah's reign. He was a good king. So now you can understand what that phrase meant. There was nobody like Josiah before or after him. They were evil. And those kings before him, his grandfather and his father. And in a minute I'll tell you what they left him. But what is it that made Josiah stand out to be so different than his predecessors? Well, the passage continues. There was no one like him before or after him, here's the key, who turned to the Lord as he did, with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength, in accordance with all the law of Moses. There was no one like him who turned to the Lord the way he did. This morning, we're going to just take a brief look at what Josiah did. And what stands out about him? He is the king who found the lost book, God's book. We'll see what he did in his reformation, but this just is not some history lesson. It's showing some relevance for us today how to live with Reformation in mind. And, and the lesson we learn from Josiah about Reformation is this, that it's something that takes place in the inside and then comes out. So let's take a look at reforming that needs to take place inside. Well, obviously what we need to do is, first of all, take a look. Take a look. Let's take a look around us. What's going on? How would you describe our world, our society? You might say, well, it's getting to be pretty wicked, pretty evil and violent. You might see a lot of greed and selfishness and immorality. What's also true is that we see a, a prevalence now of, of what we could call world religions. We're so much more aware of other faiths living around us. And not just that we are aware of it, but we're also told to have tolerance. And by tolerance, they don't mean just let it exist like yours, but say that it's equally valid as yours. Don't, don't say there's something wrong with it compared to yours. Well, if that's how you would describe our world today, then you know very well what Josiah's world was like. In his country, there was wickedness and violence. There was selfishness and greed. There was immorality and idolatry. Here's what the scriptures tell us about him. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. You see what was handed down to him? And he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he followed the ways of his father, meaning his ancestor, David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the eighth year of his reign, so now he's 16 years old, 16, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. 
in his 12th year, so now he's 20, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles and idols. The high places were places where they conducted idol worship, heathen worship. He decided he needed to purge all of that. He took a look around and he was bothered by what he saw and he knew that he needed to change. When you look around in our world, are you bothered by what you see? Or do you simply accept it? Well, this is the way things are now. Does it bother you when you see the immorality and the violence and the wickedness and the idolatry? Or do you simply say, well, that ain't me. Well, the next thing to do is to take a look in the book. When Josiah was carrying out some of his reforms, one of the things was to, let's remodel, let's restore the temple in Jerusalem so that it's a place again of worship of the true God. And as the workers are carrying out their construction work, somebody finds the book. The book of the law of Moses. Probably the book of Deuteronomy. It obviously had been lost cast aside in those previous king's reign because that explains why the country was in such bad condition. But the question may be more so, why was the book lost? Was it that just somebody forgot where they put it? I doubt it. Maybe it was more so that people said, well, you know, we've heard it before and we know what it says, but... You know, we kind of want to live this way, and we're listening to this instead. In other words, maybe what they were really doing was purposely casting it aside. They didn't want to hear what it said, because they didn't want to change. But what did it say? It said, you shall have no other gods before me. Not to worship any other god. It was not to misuse God's name, but to pray and praise Him. It was to hear His word and to worship Him. As Josiah heard that, his heart was cut. He saw the, the, the gross immorality and, and the wickedness and rebellion going on around him. And he knew that there needed to be change. But this was not just a comparison of what's around me, and what's in the book, because he also took a look inside of his own heart. You see, Josiah wasn't a person who simply would say, well, that's the way they are, but I'm not that way. Or simply, well, that's their problem, not mine to deal with. No, he recognized that he had a role in this too, that there was sin in his heart, and that something needed to be done. What about you? Do you see what's going on in the world today? But more so, when you look at the scriptures, do you see what's going on in your own life, in your own heart? It's not just that we have become tolerant of things, but maybe that wickedness and rebellion lives in us too. And when we see that we have that sin, we then realize we need a change. So 
Reformation starts by taking a good look at your world, yes, but at yourself, too, and recognizing the need for change and then seeking that change. We call it repenting. That means to turn. Both the the word in the Old Testament Hebrew and the New Testament Greek means to change, to turn your mind away from something, to turn your life in a different direction. And that comes, first of all, with some trembling when you hear what God says about your sin. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. Go, he said, and inquire of the Lord for me and for the remnant in Israel and Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. For great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us because of those who have gone before us have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in this book. Josiah heard the wrath of God against sin. God doesn't tolerate it. God told us it was wrong and deserving of punishment. But there was more than just some trembling going on. There was also trust. Because what Josiah also saw in that book of the law was a God who loves and forgives wickedness and rebellion and sin. And while he tore his robes to show his grief and his confession of sin, he also had a heart that appealed to God for mercy. And here's what we... Here's what it says. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before God when you heard what he spoke against this place and its people, and because you humbled yourself before me and tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Now, I will gather you to your ancestors, and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I am going to bring on this place and on those who live there. You see, Josiah had trust in a God who forgives, and God reaffirmed that to him, that he would not see his wrath, his punishment, but he would die in peace. Now, the scriptures tell us how Josiah died. He died in a war. He was wounded by an arrow and suffered. I would say that's not dying in peace. But that's not the kind of peace God was referring to. He was going to die with peace in his heart, knowing that God had restored him, had forgiven him of his sins, and he was right with God again. That was trust. When we see our need for forgiveness and turn to God for it, God reassures us that that forgiveness is ours. And then we're ready to do the reformation. We're ready to reform, that is, to be transformed. As the Apostle put it, the Apostle Paul put it, it's in view of God's mercy now that we live our lives as a complete offering as a a spiritual sacrifice to him. 
It's because of God's mercy that we will no longer conform, be shaped by the pattern of this world, but will be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we test and know what God's will is. That is, God the Holy Spirit will cause us to see what God's will is and change us that we desire to live in it. He says transformed. That word in the Greek was metamorphosis. That's that big science where we learned in like second grade to talk about those goopy caterpillars that turn into beautiful butterflies. It's a change that happens in the inside and shows on the out. The Holy Spirit brings us to see our sin, our need for change, and then causes that change as he brings us the grace of God. But what about you? Do you see your need? What has been handed down to us in the Reformation is the blessing of Scripture alone. During Luther's time, just like Josiah's time, that word was hidden. It was lost. But God in his grace brought it back out for us to see his message of salvation by grace. Many during the time of the Reformation had been taught that it would be by their effort that they would get that grace of God. But Luther saw the scriptures that said that it's by faith, not by our works. But today that message has been lost again. And emphasis in churches has been put on how you live your life. It's a message of grace through faith that's been handed down to us. When we seek God's mercy, we find that grace and we find it in Jesus. The main message of the Reformation is salvation in Christ, not in your works. It's what Jesus did for you with his life that was perfect, that God now looks at you through faith and sees you perfect. It's because of what Jesus did in laying down his life on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins that we will not suffer that penalty. We've been forgiven. It's because of the resurrection of Jesus that you and I have the assurance of our own resurrection and eternal life in heaven. What do you do with that? What do you do with something old that's been passed down to you? You treasure it. You appreciate it. You use it. And so we can get into that word that God has preserved for us. We can be assured of our forgiveness as we take the Lord's Supper and there receive the actual body and blood of Jesus that's been handed down to us to assure us this has been the price that was paid for our salvation. That's what you do with the Reformation. You live in it. And you be restored in that faith of grace. If you uh, were watching the World Series at all, you saw the ups and downs of the Giants. <laughs> and it all seemed to uh, hinge on the work of one man. Huh? Wasn't it true? The pitcher. When he came in there and pitched a great game, the Giants won. One man, so effective. It was one king, Josiah, who turned the nation around. One man, Luther, who turned the church around. It wasn't just them alone, however. 
Just like with the Giants, it wasn't just a pitcher, it was a team. And there were others who were with Josiah and others who were with Luther. And that describes also what we do with something that's been handed down to us. We're part of a team to take that reformation and show it on the outside. Beginning with our own lives, but then also encouraging that in the lives of others. It starts with some preparation. Here's what Josiah did. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. Preparing for a reformation of our own lives and for the lives of others starts with reading the book. Josiah knew the power of that gospel message. He saw what it did in his life. And he knew that the people could not recognize their sin. They could not know what sin was unless they had heard the law. And they could not know what the love of God was until they had heard God's gospel. And so you and I have the blessing of that word to hear that message of God's law and God's love. Then notice what Josiah does after he reads the law. Ah, one more point. Luther, in his defense of his teachings to bring back the gospel message, said, My conscience is captive to the word of God. That is, he would not be swayed from what God clearly had said. And that should be our position too. We will not be swayed from what God has said. Our conscience is bound to that law and to that gospel. Now here's what else he did. The king stood by his pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all of his heart and all of his soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in his book. Josiah took steps to renew the covenant. That solemn promise, that confirmation of faith that many of us have made here, that this is what I believe and this is what I pledge toward God, to follow him, to walk in his ways, to preserve his word through study and prayer, and to proclaim that word to others. That's the covenant that God would desire us to live in. When we start here in the inside, then that reformation can start to show on the outside. That reformation, putting it one way, like the Apostle Paul, that is simply now to put off the old nature, to put away the sin that so easily creeps into our life, to stay away from the traps and the temptations that cause us to fall, and to instead confess our sin and acknowledge God's forgiveness of it. And then to put on the new nature, to live in the will of God, to live the way that he called us to live. Listen to what Josiah did. Josiah celebrated the Passover to the Lord in Jerusalem, and the Passover lamb was slaughtered on the 14th day of the first month. The slaughtering of that lamb. 
It was a proclamation of what God would do for us through the slaughter of another sacrifice, another lamb, his son, we would be saved. And then he appointed the priests to their duties and encouraged them in the service of the Lord's temple. Now, he said, serve the Lord your God and his people Israel. And so that new man takes on that proclamation through trust in the sacrifice of Jesus by worshiping and then serving the Lord. That's what you do with something that's been passed down to you. The Reformation. It starts with the book. Don't let your book get all dusty. And I don't just mean the one that sits on your table or on your bookshelf. I mean the one that God has planted in your heart. Open it. Let it live. Let it breathe. Let it shape your life. Let it change you on the inside. And then we don't walk alone. We walk with each other. We can make a difference in the lives of others, encouraging them in their walk of faith. And when God's Spirit goes to work through His Word and through us, then we'll see reformation from the inside out. Amen.